State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell, giving you instant analysis right back at you, right in your face. Mixed martial arts just minutes removed from Saturday's UFC 242 card. The duel in the desert, Habib and Dustin Poirier. We're going to break down the big headlines that came out of this card and also look at a big-time announcement really just an hour or so before this main card started as Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal will main event UFC 244 in November. MSG, NYC, all gangster, all the time. Wow. We'll see how that impacts this loaded sort of lightweight slash welterweight division and if there's any kind of intersection there. And uh, yeah, but you know, enough talk now. Your boy BC back at it. Five-star review. You know all that crap, all right? Let's get into the meat of what went down in Abu Dhabi and my co-host. He's facing the damn pain. It's Brandon Wise. Brando, let's talk Habib. In fact... If you want to find me, please just send me location. We yeah, send me location. We, we did, Habib, and it was an outdoor twelve thousand seat stadium in Abu Dhabi. And Brandon, ain't nothing changed in this historically deep division. Habib's still on top, but good lord, this was a dominant third round submission win over the red hot Dustin Poirier. My initial reaction, brother. Is it's not like I didn't pick Habib, but if you told me it was going to look this easy against an opponent that good, he made the diamond look like Daryl Horcher. Right? Right? He made... Going there, huh? I mean, he made... And this is not a slight against Dustin Poirier. This is a... Wow. We knew what he can do grappling-wise. We knew what he can do wrestling-wise coming in. Basically, let me steal Larry Merchant's phrase he once said after Pacquiao Cotto. We knew Habib Nurmagomedov was great, Brandon. He's better than we thought. He's better than you thought. I knew he was this good, <laughs> okay? I'm just saying. He is amazing. He is any kind of adjective you want to throw. I mean, he has he, he has the everything you want in a complete mixed martial artist outside of maybe the stand-up knockout game but what he does to people in the octagon it's just otherworldly like i i mean i don't even know how to to fully encapsulate what happens when he's in there because you think you have a chance second round dustin showed up tonight and he looked good he came out of the out off the off the stool throwing heavy punches and I thought he clipped Khabib in that exchange where they went back and forth, and Khabib was backpedaling a lot. Oh, he hurt him. He hurt, he straight up hurt him twice. I thought two separate left hands. And you saw Khabib kind of swing away. You know, he was he was trying to throw back, but you know he was still backpedaling and trying to regather himself. But you saw what happened when he did. He pushed. He used his pressure. He pushes Dustin towards the cage. He forces him in that direction, and then he just takes his legs, takes him into the fence. And it's a ground and pound city from there. Like, dude, it's insanity because on paper, Brandon, this Habib Poirier fight, you could argue was as good as any fight on paper in the calendar year of 2019 for the UFC. It's this insanely deep and dangerous division. It's the red hot Dustin Poirier who at age 30 is finally sort of climbing the mountaintop and figuring out how great he can be. 
We said it King Mo style ahead of time. He might be the guy. He might have the perfect striking, well-rounded skill set to give a problem outside of those two left hands and a brief guillotine choke in round three. Dude, it wasn't just one-sided, all right? I said he made him look like Daryl Horcher. He made him look like Pat Healy. He made him look like Camille Chalarus. He made him look like that barista that, that DC beat up that one time. He made him look like Abel Trujillo and Tiago Tavares and some guy named Vadim Sandaliski that Habib did that too in 2011, all right? Do I have to go down? He made him look like A-Shot Shagignon. You're doing great with the pronunciation. Saeed Kavilov, Ali Bogov, who could prevent, who could forget that fight from Golden Fist Russia in 2010? Look, Brandon, it's a big joke, all right? Yeah, BC's got names, okay? It's a joke. No, this guy's sublimely dominant. And I know we've got to react to every fight, every news, everything that happens every week and say, well, is that the greatest thing that ever happened in September? Here's what I'm really going to tell you right now, okay? I don't want to talk. Is he the greatest light? Whatever, whatever. Who cares about that? What I care about right now Habib's the best fighter in the entire world. Yes, I've been holding pretty firm to John Jones as my pound-for-pound king ever since he came back. Habib's the best fighter in the world. And right now, Brandon, I think the only other discussion to have is how many more of these type of victories will it take before I finally get to the level where you were way too early, you were either woke or you were broke early on in saying that this man has the type of game to end up in that in the goat pen end up at that upper room table bro this was the performance that if you're even if you could be a habib hater you had to come around on he turned that man into an amateur we've never seen wrestling like this where when he gets on you he sticks to you and then like you mentioned habib showed the chin he showed tremendous set up for his takedowns with his stand-up game, which he doesn't get credit for, but he uses a stand-up game to set up the takedowns. We might have to get out the horns, bro. Crown him. He's closing in on that damn upper room, and it's too early. He's only 30. He's just starting to finally face the big names. Yeah, but he's destroying these big names. He's destroy. And, and I, you know what I got to do? It retroactively, Brandon... I feel like I'm just going to keep talking. You're just looking at me. You're doing a Quebec Nordiques hoodie. You're just looking at me right now. <laughs> I feel like I have to retroactively go back to UFC 223 and give Habib even more credit for that victory over Ally Aquinta. And we used to go back and do that because we were like, oh, wow, Al's way better than we thought. Now I got to go back and be like, do you know how studied and prepared and everything Habib is? He took that fight on like 10 minutes notice. Two days after somebody tried to kill him with a dolly, and he still put forth that dominant performance. Brandon, I'm never going to mention the success Michael Johnson had in round one against him again, okay? I'm <laughs> never going to mention it because he took a fighter I'd love in Dustin Poirier, a guy who figured out how to be great, and he made him look less than good. And that is right there. I mean, buy the t shirt, bro. All right? Buy the t shirt. Get the, get him get him the crown. The, the, I, what else am I going to say? Yes, if he keeps this up, he's going to be one of the two or three best this sport's ever seen, Brandon. I'm just surprised that you're this glowing about this performance in particular when, I mean, the betting lines would suggest to you that this wasn't going to be that close of a fight, that 
Dustin didn't – Dustin's real only chance in this fight was a puncher's chance that he was going to clip him with a knockout out of nowhere. And to his credit, he landed two of them, like you said. All right, but, so, but I want to counter that really fast. I got caught up in the Connor Holubu because I because I know that he had like the one punch finishing power. I looked at Poirier as a guy who would need to set it up and land more than one, but I thought he was not going to spend Brandon the entire rest of rounds one, two, and three each time he got taken down on his back the rest of the round. I thought yes, he'd have the moments where his gas tank would get pulled at, but I thought. Due to his size and strength, he's a ser- he's obviously a much, much, much better grappler than a McGregor. I thought he was going to be able to work back to his feet more each round. And then you would see if he can land the leg kicks, if he can work combinations, if he can start to slow Habib down. And then when you and I turned on this broadcast, brother, and we found out it was a feels like from John Anik of like 123 degrees, and we saw guys in the preliminary bouts like die, like gas out and die of dehydration in that cage, you sort of started going, man, is, oh, like, wow, like, could this actually affect the outcome of this main event? No, it couldn't affect anything. I knew how great Poirier was. I thought I knew how great Habib was. I didn't think it could be this easy. Because if Connor wasn't going to knock him out, Brandon, we know how that fight was going to end. Right. This was a fight where I felt like it was going to be a fight. Because in my eyes right now, it's Poirier and it's Tony Ferguson who may be able to stand in there and actually have success against him. And he just took uh, Poirier out of that debate and he sat on him. See, but I think we're also forgetting what Poirier looked like in the first Eddie Alvarez fight before the stoppage. Because Eddie was dominating him on the ground with his wrestling. And he basically got him to full mount a couple of times where it's like, oh no, Dustin looks completely lost. And that happened in the first round again. Like when Khabib took him against the cage the first time, John Anik even said, oh, man, Dustin just looked at Matt, Mike Brown like, what the hell do I do now? Because he looked lost in the first round, if we're being honest. Like Dustin looked absolutely lost when once Khabib started going for those takedowns. So to me, it's like I under, what I told you before the fight, it all makes it, it, it made sense. If you were a betting man before the fight and you had all those things in front of you, you had you had uh, um, relapses to Kane versus JDS one or Kane versus a uh, uh, Fabricio Redoom up in the up in the Alps, you know, where Kane didn't train for the cardio correctly and got crushed. You had all of those factors starting to play in where people are looking like they're fresh out of pools <laughs> after the fights are over because they're just drenched in sweat. Where to me that where if you're looking at it, you're thinking, okay, maybe Dustin can slip out of that because they're going to just be both so sweaty. There's going to be no traction, no grip strength at all. But no, Khabib did what he does. He wrestles at a heavyweight level where he doesn't let anybody get out of that pressure. And even dust, even though Dustin in that third round before he gets stopped with the rear naked choke, he had a guillotine. He and he had it locked in tight. But uh, all of a sudden, Khabib just pops his head out. How about the no panic like, on Habib right there? How about that no panic, completely chill out? I'm going to smash your boy, guys. He did. He came out of that. He smashed our boy. I mean, let's straight up, right? It's it's how it is, man. He He is just – he is built for this, you know? Like we talk about John Jones and like how he's the perfect body type prototype for the sport. This is all Khabib does, man. Like I, w- I caught a little bit of Chael Sonnen yesterday watching TV at home. And he talks about like 
you guys know that Khabib has a wife and a kid at home, right? But you don't hear about it because all he cares about is his training program and going to the gym and helping get people better in the gym. So it's like I I understand all of the, the, the hope and and everything that we had for Dustin going into this fight, but it's like, man, Dustin is not at this level. No, there are no that's the this. thing that nobody's at this level. So if I want to like psychoanalyze myself and go back in the history of me knowing who Habib is and why I didn't or couldn't realize this could happen, Brandon, I think some of it might be, you know, it wasn't very durable. Missed, I remember he missed the two years after the RDA fight because of the knee injury. Then he would sort of miss here and there, had to pull out of the Tony fight. Always Ramadan can get in the way of him, you know, trying to be active. I just sort of looked at him like, okay, dominant in that wrestling. But when you get to that elite level against the elite strikers, your dominance in that one area is not going to be the same. How many times, Brandon, have we seen a Damian Maya type who can do that against the B B plus guys, but then against the very elite, you got to have more to the table, dude. It's insane. He can do that against anybody, meaning Habib and his wrestling. And it's what's so crazy here, Brandon, is the reality is he's one dimensional, right? It's not like he's bad at striking at all. In fact, he uses his striking very effectively to set up his wrestling. But for a one dimensional guy, the one dimension being wrestling, he has like a thousand dimensions of wrestling within that one dimension that it's like they like they said on the broadcast. You can't prepare for that. This ain't amateur wrestling. This like this is like this is a guy who used to wrestle with friggin bears. It's the mental toughness mixed with the technique, mixed with the strength, mixed with everything, man. If he stays healthy and he wants to be active Tony Ferguson's the conversation we have to have in a minute. But outside of that, dude, if he stays at 155, even with this historically deep pool of names, I'm no longer of the belief that somebody's going to hang around and have a chance to chip away at him. Because now I look back at that Iaquinta fight differently. Now I look back at that Michael Johnson fight differently. I think he's so much better today than he was in, in, in that Johnson fight and back in those years. He has evolved that 30 into a guy who's ready to put the horns on. Wow, bro. Wow. So, yes, that, this fight was a wake-up call to me, Brandon, because it's elite versus elite, and you don't always smoke a fool on this level. He's basically doing Floyd Mayweather stuff right now, Brandon, right? He's sucking the entertainment out of the fight to a degree, but just dominating you on the X's and O's that there's nothing else you can do. Yeah, I would say that what Rashad told us our co-host Rashad Evans told us earlier this week about his ground and pound is what makes him different though. Because you don't see guys now in the UFC who are able to do that and control people on the ground and just absolutely take you apart for on the ground with their with punches and, and shots. So I think that's the biggest factor. And I mean, like you just said, at this point, but after Tony Ferguson, though, look at the rest of the rankings on, on UFC.com for lightweight. I thought you were going to ask me to look at the women's featherweight rankings on UFC.com. <laughs> I would tell you there's no such thing. Keep going. If you look at those rankings right now, who is on that list that you think can challenge him outside of Tony Ferguson? Because everybody else either has a loss recently or just does not have a game plan. I want to play this game with you right now. Okay. I'm going to play this game with you right now. In fact, we're going to start from reverse. Okay. I'm going to mention a name and you are just going to say yes or no. Yes. Doesn't mean they can beat Habib. It means could they remotely compete with Habib? Are you ready? Go ahead. Well, number 15, Islam 
Mahachev, who fought <laughs> tonight but is in Habib's camp. They ain't fighting, right? Correct. They're not Dan fighting. Dan Hooker. Nabra. No. I love me some Dan Hooker. Al Hernandez. No. Nabra. Charles Oliveira. Yet. No chance. How about your boy Gregor Gillespie? That's an interesting one just because of his wrestling game, and he is a suffocating wrestler. That would be a really weird fight to watch for fans, but I think it would actually be more interesting than people think. All right. I know you love you some Irish Paul Felder. We could talk about his win over Barbosa in a minute, but uh, he would get he would made he, he would be made to look like a club fighter in that fight. He's he would be he would he would have happened to him what Edson Barbosa had happened to him when he fought Khabib two yes, years ago. Yes. Um, Anthony Pettis. No, not a shot. Now. Not a shot. But if you had to watch that fight, meaning if Pettis had to be a last minute replacement, you would at least say to yourself, well, he could pull some crazy ish out. Like he may he may, you know, do a front forward flip out of nowhere and land something. But outside of that, nothing. How about can this? Jump, can he jump off the fence and do a backflip into Khabib? That might work. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, what about this wild card? This fellow that I fell for the bait for in the past. Don't shake your head, brother. Kevin Lee. There's no chance, dude. I'm sorry. I, I just don't. He's looked so bad in these big moments where he was supposed to bounce back. I, I don't. What, what do you see that he could do against Khabib? I, I'm I uh there are certain combat sports athletes, Brandon, who we you can't You're pick just who you, with them. You can't pick who you love, right? You just fall for them. I fell for Amir Khan back when everybody could see what was about to happen, right? I fall for Zab Judah so many times. I got nine lives. He got Adrian Broner for many seasons I fell for. It just Jeff happens, Horn. all right? You can't fully you know their flaws, but you won't accept that those flaws will will break them in the end. Forget that. All right. Uh, no Barbosa, no Ayakinta, just engaged. Uh, he doesn't use his wrestling, so he's just you know what I'm saying. Like it, he can wrestle, but he don't use it, bro. If he land, but I mean th- that's the same thing with Dustin though. If Gaethje lands that hard shot, you don't know what's gonna happen. But Gaethje's not a one punch guy, and I feel like I actually would trust Habib's speed and technique over Ga- over over uh, twelve gauge Justin. Fans in Gage G over here. Uh, Cowboy, nah, nah, bro, nah, bro. You, you don't, you don't want any of that. Connor, we've I've seen number it. four. Yeah, because the UFC is is weird. Um, <laughs> then we're gonna get to Tony Ferguson. I want to pause. The, this is a real conversation we're about to have with Tony Ferguson. But real quick, Brandon, if Habib runs through Ferguson, and runs through all those guys, and then suddenly we're thinking, and look, I don't know. I think he's the kind of guy who only really wants to fight. Two, two, three more times and then walk away. He's more that guy than to be somebody who would linger. But gun to your head, could he do this against an Usman at welterweight? Could he do this against a Colby Covington in your eyes? I'm I'm intrigued by those, but I don't think he would even fight those. No, my I don't fi- think he would either. My, my idea, he fights Tony next. Then he makes some sort of push with Ali, his manager. To get that GSP yes, fight done, yes, they fight next year in July. I'm assuming, or and GSP or loses a five round respectable decision, right? You think so? We'll talk about that one other day. Keep going. Okay, but I think that to me, it's those two, and maybe the rematch with Connor, and then he he will the- cash out. Look at anyone that doesn't believe that they're not going, they're going to fight again in any form. He will cash out. The other wild card I wanted to bring up because I've seen people tweet this, and I I love yeah against it. But people sort of saying, well, what about the winner of Diaz Masvidal? We're going to get into that fight in a few minutes. But I don't even see either of those guys having a chance against Habib's wrestling style at either lightweight or or welterweight. You know, like no chance, bro. Oh, so, 
So somebody asked Poirier if he would fight the loser, the winner of Nate versus Masvidal, and he said, this is his quote, Jorge is a buddy of mine. I won't sell out like bleeping Colby Covington and talk bad about people I roll with. Wow, a little ATT fire right there. Wow. It sounds like Colby might be getting run out of ATT pretty soon. I think he's the captain of ATT. I mean, he's got Danny Lambs. He's got your boy Danny Lambs in his back pocket. All right, let's have the conversation. Tony Ferguson's the guy who, uh, I mean, unless the head of Disney gets in Dana White's ear and is like, sorry, bro, you're putting Connor in there. Obviously, that would be next. Habib said it ahead of time. He didn't confirm it, though, after the fight in the cage with John Anik, which is fine. He said he wanted to take time and think about it. I'm sure you know what that means. Let's try to explore GSP. That's what that really means, right? Let, like, let me not commit to that. Let, let Ali go do some exploring first. Then we'll get back to it. But we've tried to do that fight four times. The cool part, Brandon, is it four times or three? I think it's four, right? It's four. Oh, it's four. God. The, the great part about this thing, it's like a when Harry met Sally type of uh, like thing here. And yes, I, I will have what, what she's having, um, is that it's now bigger than it ever, ever, ever could have been. I mean, imagine if this was like UFC Fight Night main event Tampa in 2014, like like I think the first one, or 2015 or whatever. Like, we're so far past that. Um, it's probably the best fight you can make on paper in the UFC. I'm, I'm serious about that. It actually might – it might even be a better fight tactically than like a DC Jones 3. I mean, it's a fight hardcore fans, you got to see. Separating history, separating gangster fights like Diaz Masvidal, it's probably the best fight you can make. Before we would talk about that fight, though, Brandon, is the curse real? And will this fight ever happen? I think I made this argument to you, so I don't understand how you just flipped this on me saying that this is the best tactical fight you can make in the UFC. Um, I, I think what do you the think? I don't, I don't understand truths. I mean, if you don't know that or think that, you're a, you're a J-hole, all right? Come on. Keep... <laughs> um. I I think the curse is real. What? I, I, Wait, what? I think I, dude. I there is some weird voodoo between these two. You think? I feel like we're gonna get to this point again, and Easter Sunday is gonna come into my house again, and Khabib or Tony is going to trip over a wire at a uh, media obligation and tear an ACL. Like I, how does that happen, bro? Just like, let how them does that bang happen? already. Let me bang with somebody. Just let them bang. Um. So make that fight for the end of the year. Like, just don't put this long gap in yes, between fighting again. Don't put any chance of, of bad things happening between the two of them happening again. Make that fight for the year end pay-per-view. Just get it booked. So you're saying I don't put Tony in a bubble and then put his wife and kid in a separate bubble. We want no issues getting in the way here. Correct. You said that, not me. Thank you. No, just I just said that. Rock hard with emotion, Jake Hager. All right, uh, let's roll on. This fight. It would be insane. So here's the deal, all right? In my mind, Ferguson is better than Poirier, but I thought Poirier had a ch- had a chance in this one, a chance. Ferguson's the only guy, Brandon, based on his creative volume of strikes, his insane pressure style, his willingness and almost love for pain and damage, and the fact that people somehow never properly bring up his grappling ability, his background, and how good his submission game is. So the idea of even if Habib played out a Habib-like narrative against him in a fight, he would be able to do things on his back that the Poirier's 
the McGregors, the Pat Healy's, the Iaquintas just couldn't think about doing. Right, Brandon? Yes, thank you. And when I say the Pat Healy's of this world, I didn't want to not shout out Eldar Eldarov, who lost to Habib in 2009 in Russia. Um, Brandon, what would the odds be on that fight? Which fight? What do you, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, Habib Eldorado <laughs> 2. No, uh, come on. Ferg, K- Habib 5. What would the odds be? Who would be, I mean, H- Habib's going to be the favorite, but but how close? How close, though? I mean, the this is your average layman trying to put odds on a fight with no Vegas bookie experience. I would say minus 175, Khabib. You think, you think it would be that close? That's interesting. Yeah, um, I think I think it, I think think it's razor thin to the point where the line is going to be that close to get 50-50 action because otherwise everybody's just going to hammer Khabib. Would Ferguson have more chance to beat Khabib in 2019-2020 than he would have had two to three years ago during failed number one, two, or three. I mean, he is 35, maybe even 36 years old now, but has that chip on his shoulder from this insane run he's been on, not just the 12-fight win streak, but the the heartbreak, the bad luck of all, of all these opportunities falling apart. Are you fearful at all of where we are now and what it would change this fight looking at like? No, I think he might have had a better chance but that would just mean that you're thinking Khabib wasn't as well-rounded now as he is in the present. But Khabib, like you said, he's also very one-dimensional with his skill set. I think Tony – I mean this is my honesty. Like I think – we've had this discussion for the last two or three years. I think Khabib could be the greatest of all time. Like no question. I think he can be the greatest if he, if he goes out on this run, finishes undefeated, however many more fights he takes. Tony – has the best run in UFC history that nobody thinks about and that nobody respects. And I think that that is what kills him more than anything. I think that going on a 12-fight win streak in the UFC without anybody really noticing it and getting an interim title shot that you won, that's great, but then they took it away from you because you got injured. You know, like, that's kind of screwed up. And I think Tony knows that. And Tony knows that it's kind of messed up that he's never gotten his chance to one, either get the interim title back or two, fight for the full title, you know? So I think that is more of a driver for him than anything else going on. Plus, his skill set is insane. Like, that's the thing that nobody talks about is Tony's skill set from his crazy striking that, that is just so unorthodox, very dominant Cruz-like, to his submission game. Like, tell me what his flaw is that Khabib can expose. I, not even, I mean, even Chan, man, he's he can be buzzed, but he's so damn durable. Um, so here's the deal: for all that we said good about Poirier coming in, you saw that in the brief moments on the feet in this fight, Poirier was ultimately regular in his striking attempts. Brandon, what I mean by that, it's not that his stuff didn't lack speed or power. It's that he's not pulling crap out of the mystery bag, right? He's going for inside leg kicks. Habib would absorb one and then catch the second and sort of shut that down. Poirier would let his left hit cross go times he hit Khabib. But look, Brandon, it's sort of basic one-two stuff. How much would that stifle Habib's attempt at takedowns 
given that you can't, as much as you can't prepare for Habib, you can't prepare for Tony's wackadoo rhythm, dancing, angles, coming in, switch stances while he's coming in. Just, I mean, that that's what would make this such an interesting chess match. Not just the whole argument of, well, if he does go on his back, he's going to be comfortable there. How confident would Habib be shooting if it's not a rhythm he can pick up quick? It's it's a that's why this fight is so damn great, Brandon. I need to see it. I mean, that's something that I'd love to hear from Rashad, and we'll talk to him later later on next week about what he thinks for Tony in that fight. But can Khabib get him down? Like that's the, a giant question to me because yes, he Tony's can. Mo- you think so? No matter what, eventually, no matter what, he gets him down, but. I don't think he can be as I don't I, as I don't dominant gets... on the ground because I think that Habib is smart enough to know that this guy's got such killer jujitsu and such escapability. Tony's always doing these crazy reversals that he has to be careful not to get not to f around and catch a triple double on himself and it, and, and catch an arm triangle on himself. So it would be the, the amount of chess going on, Brandon. The mental chess, the mental flossing going on would be insane, bro. The problem is. That Tony is the pressure fighter. He's not going to back down and let Khabib take him into the fence with his with his pressure and his takedown attempts. So to me, it's like they're going to meet head on in the ring. And it's going to be whoever decides that they're going to take the back step first is going to be the one in trouble. Because Tony's not going to let – like I said, Tony's not going to let him take him into the cage and get t- taken down. So that's to me going to be the biggest question going into that fight is if Khabib can get the pressure and force him into the cage – can he take him down? I, I, I don't know how that fight plays right, out. Th- you just got me like 10 times more excited for this fight than I even ever was thinking about that. Like, look, like obviously like the basic core of this fight is can Habib take him down? And if he does, can he keep him down? And just that narrative and that drama alone is insane because to get to that takedown, you've got to take chances. He didn't really have to take chances in shooting in on Dustin. He he blocked Dustin's vision with with some strong hooks a couple times and shot in, or other times he shot in basically where Dustin was like weary. His gas tank had already been pulled on. He sort of was just uh, not himself. And uh, man, this is going to be fun to see because Ferguson's kicking game. And like I mentioned, there's one sort of weird wild card in, in Tony Ferguson fights, Brandon. It's that he welcomes pain. He takes sometimes unnecessary chances in order to set things up, in which he'll be right in your. In, in your zone, right in the area where you have success, he'll live in there to try to catch you with something. Man, this, ah, oh, yes. Where where and when? Where and when can we see this? It has, I mean, it's got to be, what what are you saying? Say it. Just say it. I told you. It's got to be two, UFC 245, December 14th at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Would that I, be the main? Yeah, that'd be the main, and it'd be Amanda Nunez. Not Nunez, like I've been saying my whole life. Nunez in the co-main, right? Yes. Against I, uh, uh, GDR. Yeah. All right. Actually, you know what? If hmm, I want that to be it, but now that they've made Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz the main event for 244, does that push back John Jones into that 245 slot again? Hmm. I would. Lo- I don't want John Jones against random what? light heavyweight fighter to be there, but I think. That Jan Bawicic, bro. All right, yeah. he's going to be next, and you know he's going to be next. Okay, and that's fine. I love me some Jan Bawicic. Okay. Yeah, uh, but if it's not there, then you push it back to what March, maybe? 
April? I, I would just do it as soon as you physically can. I mean, but January and February are not big pay-per-view months. Uh, yeah. All right. So then you save it for the next time you're in New York. Or Vegas. I, I don't know. Just do it. Just How about next? What's, then, what's the next pay-per-view? Just do it. All right. Australia, do it. Okay. Just do it. Wow. All right. Um, You got anything else to say about Habib? Because we got to roll this IA pod on. All right, brother? Not on Khabib, but Why, Dustin. Wait, wait. Look, can, can you show the man respect uh, on his name? You and Megan Olivia all over the Khabib. You and Brett Okamoto, too. What's with you three? Dustin Poirier, the emotions after that fight. I mean – just heartbreaking because yes. he put so much into this. He yes. he really thought he was going to win. His quote, his comments after were just just hit you home, man. Like right in the field spot. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Just like the honesty and the rawness of him after, and then even in the post fight press conference. Now he's just been he's been crying basically on the dais. It's it's so here's it hurts, why he's but, crying. Here's why he's crying, and it's this is this sucks. All right, he realized that that was the very best he had. And that it's not that he couldn't win the title if he fought somebody else. He could, but he he's a true fighter. He wants to fight the very best. So the very best of his era is Habib Nurmagomedov. And Dustin brought the very best of himself today. He cut no corners. There is no excuses. There's no nothing. Fully healthy, clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. And not only did he lost, he lost bad. And I don't say that as any kind of slander against him because we just put over that Habib is otherworldly. But I get that heartbreak, Brandon. It's not like, oh man, if I didn't get cut early, I, you know, I wouldn't, I, I, or if I get a second chance. No, it's everything went right and then it went wrong. So that's heartbreaking, bro. That's hard to swallow because you think to yourself. If I can get the breaks, if I can get the matchmaking, if I can get the push, and if things can go my way, I can beat anybody in the world. I'm sure everybody in the top 15 thinks that, right? Yeah. And this has been a decades-long journey for him to get to this point, to be like, I this is my best chance in the last 10 years to become the champion of the world, no matter what division it is, I and to just that happen. Like, ugh. Like, you so- have, like I'm sure there's part of him right now that's like, is thinking like, like you said, he got a lot of tread left on the tire, but they're sure there's part of like so much of his heart was taken in this loss that he's probably thinking, do I want to do this anymore? Oh, like man. he will, he'll still keep doing it. He's still going to make money. He's pr- fight for a few more years, but like, damn man, you know, and that's not saying like, you know, three years from now, he could still be viable contender. Habib could be long gone or at welterweight or whatever. And it's not like Dustin Poirier couldn't still F around and have a Bisping situation. But man, I feel for him in this moment because it's rare that everything goes your way and you win the kind of fights he won to get here, man. Pettis, Alvarez, Gagey, <laughs> Holloway, bro. Damn, you know? Yep. Damn. I hope he gets another big fight. I hope that this is not the last big fight he's in because that dude deserves it. And he's just a fun fighter to watch anyway. Uh, who gets the Connor rematch sooner? Max Holloway or Dustin Poirier? Neither. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. I don't know why they would book either of those fights for Connor. That To me, that wouldn't make sense. I'm not saying next. I'm saying no. I'm. I understand what you're saying. I just don't understand why Connor. Why would Connor fight either of them if they don't have a belt or a big name? Uh, 
I just wanted to remind you that Max Holloway has a massive name, and he's also yeah, just just letting you know that. Okay. But we've seen what Max looks like at 155. He's not going to hold up against Connor. Dude, Connor's not. Do you know what we actually know about Connor at 155? That he lured no. Eddie Alvarez into a brawl and brilliantly finished him, and that he got dominated by Habib. So even though I am a Connor guy, it's not like 155 Connor is a is a world beater. All right, bro. Okay, but we've had this discussion before. Max against Connor at 155. I don't think Max's chin is going to hold up. I think it's deteriorating. Oh, wait, wait, what? His chin is deteriorating. Wow, bro. That's a. I didn't see that reveal coming today from you. Wow. I mean, we saw what it did against against Poirier, and Dude, I think he Connor moved up in weight against a guy who was at the peak of his powers, brother. I understand that, and Connor is going to have a lot of power in those hands. All right. I, All, right. All right. Don't make me play that weird Benavides to Cejudo soundbite. I used to <laughs> like you in high school. Wow. All right. Hey, it must have been a wild, wild days for Joe Jitsu before he met uh, Megan O'Leavy. You know, we're we're going to leave that there? We're not going to go any further with that? Yeah, we should probably leave that there. Okay. Okay. Congratulations to the uh, Jitsu family. Thank you. Um <laughs> Brandon, that's it. That's it for that fight. Okay, quickly through what else mattered at UFC 242. Hey, fun as balls, lightweight rematch in that co-main event. And it was Paul Felder getting the split decision over Edson Barbosa. Heavy damage accumulated for both. But Brandon, at 35 for Felder, the narrative was, despite four out of his last five being victories, this was sort of the dude, are you for real as a title contender? Or are you basically just collecting a few more paydays before you're going to go full on into broadcasting? And he gutted that ish out. But is he, Brandon Wise, for real as a lightweight title contender? I didn't have the sound on. Did he say he's staying at 155? Because in the week leading up, he was talking about trying to not have to do this cut to 155. Yes, Brandon. He called out the top five at lightweight. He called out guys like Gage G. What is the official pronunciation there? Gage 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 Okay. He called out Gage G and uh, and Connor and uh, Tony and whatever. Why don't just fight Cowboy? Well, Cowboy's got to fight against who? Gage next week? Justin Gage. Justin Gage. Got it. Dustin Gage. Actually, it's Dustin Gage, the reference you're pulling <laughs> right there. Thank you very much. All right. Nobody knows we're talking about it. Um, Gutsy win, man, for Felder. But he's going to ceiling out soon, right? Yeah, I don't think – I mean his chin will hold up against the top five. He won't get finished. But I don't think his skill set is a top five lightweight in the UFC right now. I just think he's a borderline guy. He's really fun. He gets in – every fight he has is a damn brawl because that's just the style of fighter he is, a Philly dude who likes to get punched in the face for some reason. I think – you can make fun fights with him, but he doesn't need to be anywhere near the t- title conversation. You won't tell him that to his face, though, right? Just so we're, we're clear. I mean, he wouldn't. He he's a very nice guy. He's he's personable. I I, I he kind of touched my heart in that post fight interview and the way he fought. It just sort of like, man, this is a good dude. Um, he's gotten pretty far in this career, but I think a, beating a guy like Barbosa is sort of the mountaintop for him. I'd like to be proven wrong. We'll see. What I mean, if you put him in there against a, a Gage G, who knows what would happen? I mean, it'd be, it'd be a hellacious brawl, but who knows what would happen? So let's see where he goes from here. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present 
a mountain of zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Uh, quickly through the rest of 242, Brandon. A lot of uh, Habib Nurmagomedov countrymen and teammates. Some coming back from suspension. Uh, did anything actually jump out to you? Did anybody surprise or shine? What do you got here? You got anything? Because I thought this card pretty much kind of sucked the horn. If I'm look, it's it's an instant analysis. It's 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 honest. We're honest. We're raw. Okay. All right. I'm just gonna you know deal with it. I'm a it white was, boy and I'm jacked. Deal with it. Thank you. It was the card we thought it would be, right? Like it was very top heavy. The two top, the co-main and main events gave us what we expected, and everybody else was just also ran. I mean. Right. Bala Muhammad looked good. Look I good. love I love me some Bala Muhammad. Um, Jojo Calderwood took uh, Andrea Lee out to the woodshed. Damn right. Uh, yep. But yeah, I mean, no. Uh, honestly, none of the Khabib teammates really impressed me that much in a showcase type type card for them. That's, none of them really point. stood out to me. I think for a few of them, definitely the heat was a part of that. But uh, hey, the guy who probably had the biggest. Uh, Sort of, hey, look at me moment on that undercard was lightweight Otman Izatar. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot about with that. that. With that KO punch against Temu Pekalin with uh, right cross to the looping right hand to the ear that sent the dude face first, dramatic video game style, like Rocky movie style, like dead on arrival. Twitching on the ground. Yes. Stop. UFC debut for the Moroccan product who fights out of Germany. Shout out to a uh, big time show listener, Omar Al Rashid of Australia for putting over his boy Otman in his UFC debut there. Yes. All right. Uh, that's it. 242. I'm never talking about you again. By the way, Shamil Abdurakimov. Uh, look, do we have to bring in Prince Nahim from the uh, boxing show? I know it's harsh, but. I know this sounds terrible. I think you should finish. No, that's too harsh, but you should probably finish after that performance against Curtis Blades, bro, right? Don't beat a man while he's down. All right. All right. Not great. Um, quickly, before we move on to like the big news, apparently Khabib just said at the press conference he proposes fighting against Georgia St. Pierre in a stadium somewhere in Africa early next year with proceeds going to charity. He said he wants to help those who don't have clean drinking water. All right, let's stay on that for a second. You brought up a, an, an interesting point that I did want to hit. Uh, Habib's – this is his first fight back from the nine-month suspension from the Connor Mayhem melee at 229. And you really saw a dedicated push by Habib in a fight that, if we're honest – and I sort of wrote a story about this on CBS Sports heading in – that like this is sort of Habib's close-up moment to kind of be a A-side pay-per-view star on his own, to take the rub from Connor, go out to a new – area where UFC is trying to build business, a very Muslim heavy area where Habib came in as a star, not far from Dagestan and, and do some things. And he went above and beyond Brandon to be nice guy 
respectful of Poirier, wearing Poirier's T-shirt during the post-fight interview, talking about getting his fans to contribute to Poirier's charity, hugging him, loving on Pops, who's in his corner for the first time. Did you think it was too much? Did you think it was real? How do you sort of feel that? Um, Was it good? Was it refreshing after him acting kind of crazy along with Connor throughout all that soap opera? I liked this side of Khabib, even though, as you keep pointing out, the the McGregor stuff is obviously there, and it gave a very difficult look at what he could be as as a heel. I think this was real i think i think it's pretty genuine when he says that this is what combat sports is supposed to be about it's not supposed to be about i hate you i need to kill you type stuff it's it's two guys deciding to strip down to nothing but gloves and their own weapons no guns no knives no nothing just we're gonna go fight and we're gonna show people what kind of what kind of fighter we are you know and i think that there's something to that where There is nothing like we see this all the time in the sport. Most fights end with an embrace and respect, you know, and I think it's it's pretty genuine because Habib normally is like that. The the Connor stuff brought out a really dark side of him, I think, and obviously still has a dark side there. He says he's going to fight him in the street if he sees him. So it's just like I think it's genuine, but I also don't know if I, I would buy him as a baby face uh, a side like you were saying I like that he's doing it it almost made you almost made a good point like it's almost his way of saying I went too far in the Connor stuff but I know he feels he was justified and a lot of people do as well for sort of the some of the things that Connor did not to mention attacking him by throwing a dolly through a window but the comments about culture religion wife all that stuff uh, it, it was overboard but I liked it um this is interesting though the idea of not only pitching this GSP fight next really heavily leaning on the on the charity side because if it wasn't if it was disingenuous Brandon it's a smart PR move on his idea to to get the UFC to look at him as a true global star not a liability not a anything a true global star and he did sign a new deal in June and as Brett Okamoto tweeted back then there was language in there about a GSP fight and this sort of showed something because up to that point Dana had been so against the GSP fight for all the reasons we talked about, the idea of GSP hijacking potentially another division by winning a third title and then dropping it, that GSP walked away from the sport because of it. That's the only fight he would want that would make sense historically. Well, now it feels like that fight could be back in play, and I feel like that new deal was like the trigger point. There seemed like there was some conversation there that if there's language in his new deal to cover the GSP fight, it would make you seem and think that UFC and maybe by extension Endeavor and, and ESPN even are all sort of like, hey, let's be smart and let's make that fight. And if that's the case, Brandon, I love it because I love me some GSP. I think if anybody gets a chance to be a three-division champion, it should be him. It's a monster fight that matters historically. It would be a really cool fight to watch. But, Brandon, it would once again screw over Tony Ferguson. So if the if that happened, if GSP Habib happened next and the UFC goes, all right, Tony, we know you're mad, but we'll give you Connor in a pay-per-view main event, and we will pay you championship money, and we'll put your old interim belt back on the line because we can do illegal things like that. Would Tony say yes, and should he say yes? Yeah, I mean, it It sounds like that's where it's going. Dana is Dana finished up at the 
the post fight press conference a little while ago and said that it's it's going to be Tony no matter what next. He said this though, which I'm I'm sure will light a fire under you. He said if for no if for some reason Tony does not take the fight against Khabib next, the Conor McGregor rematch quote makes a lot of sense. Did he really say that? <laughs> so is that like so what he's really saying is when we lowball Tony Oh my god. No, really is that, is that, this. Uh, So what what he also is really saying, if and when Tony uh gets arrested or injures himself. No, 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 no. All right. Um let's hope we see that again. Uh, if Connor breaks into this party, it should see here's the deal, Brandon. <laughs> You're so discombobulated. Inevitably, we're going to see Connor Habib, too. And business-wise, we should, to be really honest. But, dude, it just wouldn't make any sense unless Connor came back and beat somebody first. I'm I'm not saying it wouldn't make sense. It would make sense, dollars and cents, and it would make a lot of things. But to the competitive side. It's not fair. (laughs) But it also, like, it would sell more if you took that necessary gamble and let Connor come back against somebody tough and beat them. Then you're like, okay, Connor's back. And then he can talk about how he's changing his strategy and all like, you know, you can, you can make all the excuses and we'll believe it. But if he makes those excuses now, we'll be like, dude, we just watched you get dominated. Like you don't have a shot. It would be so much different if he went in there against Frankie Edgar and, and like stopped him and looked great. Yeah. It, I, but then if again, they go if to that next before Connor takes another fight, I'm going to be so mad. You know, but if you're in a if you're in a boardroom and you go, how often is that window open where we could f around and try to get three million pay per view buys? Like, how often do you get that chance in any combat sport? Sometimes you just got to take that, right? But if you do that, like, how do you sell Connor as a pay per view headliner if he loses again? You're right. That that'd be doubling down on. Yeah, you'd be really going for it right there. Uh, yeah, I don't want to see that next. Tony, because because Tony deserves. Look, I hate it's, that every fight we have the subplot of. Well, if you did this and screwed Tony over, like Tony deserves it more than anyone ever. We just talked about how Tony Habib five would be such an insanely great fight, but I would allow him to get screwed if GSP was the reason. Yeah, GSP, not Connor. <laughs> Could GSP compete? I can't figure out if GSP could compete in this. First of all, can he make 155? Because if he no. if he couldn't, you wouldn't do the fight. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah, that to me that like that's why I made I laid it out as he fights Tony next, then he fights Khabib, uh, he fights GSP or Connor in whatever order, but he fights GSP at 165. See, to me, the GSP fight doesn't matter unless GSP has a chance at a three time champion because he's so. History based. Correct. But it could be the first 165 belt. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> what would we even call that weight class? That's a great question. Uh, what do we have? It's, we have Welter and Middle. and it's light, But it's light into Welter. Yeah, if you called it like junior middleweight or super lightweight, it's just lame. Oh. Then you're like full-on lame boxing. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't linger here because we got to talk about another title belt that will be at stake, Brandon, and that's the BMF title. Apparently, November second, UFC two forty four. Brett Okamoto, my my homeboy from ESPN, getting the exclusive from Dana in Saudi. It looked like they were. Did you see the video? It looked like they were in like some palace with like golden chalices in front of. Them. Did you see this? 
No. All right. It was it was interesting. Uh, I'm sure the suite that Dana's staying in. I'm sure many people were killed to 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 make that thing happen. Um, <laughs> it's crazy because this is the most fan friendly main event ever. I mean, really. I mean, it's so up there. It's so insane that right now we would actually get this. Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, a five-round non-title main event, and Dana going to the length of saying, oh, and by the way, we're actually going to make a physical BMF belt. And I think it's tongue-in-cheek, and it should be tongue-in-cheek. But just the fact that he's even, like, toying with that as, like, a fun joke that could happen is everything about this is perfect. And we want MSG to feel like MSG Brandon and not feel like DC Derek Lewis. We want it to feel like it used to the first two times. This feels like it with Dana telling Okamoto, I will jack up this undercard full of non-title fights, full of great non-title fights, and we'll make a hell of a card. I love that we're doing this, that we're going back to, hey, this fight matters so much to people that it doesn't matter if there's a title. It's got to be a main event. And you're taking two viral personalities, two counterculture heroes. Oh, and by the way, Brandon, it would be a badass fight. I only disagree with one thing you said. What, uh, Joe Jutsu's wife? Do people really need to see this fight? I get get what you're saying right there. Does this really have a ton of heat on it right now? No, there's actually no precedence for this fight to actually happen (laughs) besides the fact that there's these two weirdos who are so red hot right now. Yeah, like it's – I get what you're saying, but it's like the only reason we're even talking about this is because Nate Diaz called him out after winning last month, you know? So it's like I get it and I – of course I am in love with this fight and I want to see what this looks like, but it's like – there's no there's not a backstory to get here. There's no there's no dolly through a window or there's no slapping somebody's teammate. It's just these are two really fun dudes to watch in the octagon. They have they're great personalities. They're going to sell the hell out of this by talking smack to each other in the next three months. Yeah, I'm in. Give me this fight today, tomorrow, Sunday, like twice on Sunday, everything. Just give me this fight. I like it the most because even though we would be we would want either of them to be in a title fight right now if you can't have that title fight it would seem like both would sort of go back to either if you're Nate not fighting or if you're Jorge Brandon being put in the kind of fight that like would be a waste of his time right now so you know what it says to me and this is why I ultimately love it the best it's Dana coming around and saying i have two guys that could be super insanely marketable if i put the machine behind them and they're, they're anti-heroes, they're counterculture, normally guys that he would stiff arm and deflect and talk down to them, and he's giving them the platform of arguably the biggest fight card of the year, the one where they break the revenue record at the world's most famous arena every time they step foot in there. So Brandon, that part of it, even with a lack of a storyline, it's like us fans have won something. It's like Dana finally realized what he has in these two guys that people love as much or more than anyone else. And he's like, yeah, let's put them together. Like that element of it, you can, you can say that's worthless, but to me, I love what it says. But we also need to talk about how we got to this fight because they did still try to do some trickery on us. You know, according to area Hawani, of course, his sources told him that the only reason we're getting this fight is one, because they couldn't get a deal done with Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title in time for this for this card in November. Two, they tried to turn it and make Jorge against Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title, but I guess that also hit a snag, and then they ended up getting this fight. Like, 
I hope that's that's the not actually how this all played out, even though Ariel is very good at with his sourcing on this stuff. I really hope they didn't try to screw around and make Jorge against Usman when we had so much heat towards getting a Nate Diaz fight. And quite honestly, I don't know what Jorge against Kamara would look like. I feel like Kamara would probably dominate him, if I'm being honest. I think this fight is more even. I think this fight gives us more excitement, like you said, as fans. Like there's actually there there wouldn't have been a storyline to Kamaru against Jorge. There was there's nothing really there. They would have had to to make something happen out of that, you know. I agree. I'm 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 happy we're not getting that. And yeah, and I and you know Ariel had tweeted this to the same degree of saying if you can't make Kamaru Colby now because of you can't work off the negotiations and don't rush anything else. Pause it and get back to the negotiation table and start over. I, I'm actually down with that. Because I look, Colby's so deserving right now as well that I don't want to see anybody else lap that. I want to see that fight. I want to see it, and the and the heat is there. So I, I I get it, I get it, dude. But I have my own issues with Colby right now. Like on top of the shtick kind of wearing thin on a lot of people, the fact that he had the chance to fight Tyron Woodley. What was that earlier this year? That fight was going to happen where the negotiations just kept falling apart and kept falling apart between him and Woodley. Like, and then Usman gets the chance against Woodley and takes full advantage, wins the title. And now you can't get a deal done with Kamaru when you've had, I don't know, four months, three months to like get the negotiation stuff done. I, I, to me, I get it. I would love, I'm glad that they're saving that fight for later, but to me, that means the fight's not still guaranteed to happen. (laughs) Like something, something weird is going to happen where Colby's going to try to negotiate and push it press his hand for more money and they're probably not going to give it to him. See, I get what you're saying, but I'm not worried about it because they put something arguably just as good in front of us. Like this main event is so damn gangster, Brandon. It's so fan friendly. It's so what UFC used to be about. It used to be about, let's just make the best fight we possibly can right now. Oh, not, who cares about a title? We're not going to float some stupid interim title. Oh, Rashad and Rampage? We got the heat there. Let's put them together for the non-title. Somebody might break a door off. This is going to be insane. So why are you tearing on a door? I mean, seriously, this is what, like, you know, I love this. But as combat sports will do to you, just after I get fired up that, you know, I love going to UFC at MSG. I grew up near New York City. I live a couple hours away. Just as I'm getting fired up to, to potentially be there for that, now we hear news we may get Canelo Kovalev that same night in Las Vegas. Thank you, Combat Sports Gods, for forcing me to choose. What the hell's going on here? Why can't everybody just realize? I'm not saying you can't counter program boxing and MMA on the same nights, but, like, for the really big ones, can we, can we work out a deal here? Can we start I'm, one in I'm the afternoon? I'm so mad. I'm so mad at Canelo, like, for doing this whole zone thing where he didn't want to fight on Independence Weekend, and now he's pushed it back from October to now that this weekend, this weekend, which is supposed to be sacred for UFC. I'm so mad. I was born ready. <laughs> no, 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 Canelo. No, no, Canelo. Oloki, you are next, my no, friend. No, Kovalev is next, my friend, because of you. All right. Thank you. Um, I, I love that fight, though, by the way. So don't let my weirdness. All right. That's it. It's a reaction pod. We just reacted. What else do you want from me, Brandon? All right. There's only three things in life that are guaranteed. Water is wet. Fire burn. And I'm going to beat Michael Bisping. Hopefully a fourth thing is he will eventually face Habib. Maybe in Africa. Wow. Wow. We are the world here. Uh, Habib. I love this. Habib is a global phenomenon, Brandon. 
God, I'm watching video right now of James Harden throwing punches at a MMA arena, at an MMA gym, and it is ugly. Did the UFC sign Antonio Brown today, or was that the Patriots? No, that's the Patriots. Oh, I, don't even get me started on that. Hey, nonsense. Boogie Woman is coming to Tampa soon. You ready? You fired up? It's uh, five weeks away, baby. Boogie Woman is coming tomorrow, and she doesn't know who's coming. I do. I definitely do, Brandon. All right, we at that part out after. No, no one's banging. No one's banging. You know what? I'm rock No, God, keep it in. All right, that's enough there. That's enough. No, I know. Boo me. Don't boo me. Are you guys booing me? Are you guys? You better not boo me. Yeah, I'll sell you a condo. You better not boo me. Hey, that's it, Brandon. That's it for the show. 242 in the books. Get fired up. Lightweight is back, brother. Check us out. State of Combat, boxing, MMA, pro wrestling, every single week. You got anything else, Brandon, you want to sell? You got any uh, Girl Scout cookies? What do you got? We'll talk Bellator on Tuesday because we recorded this before Bellator 226 tonight. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's great. That's great. You know what? Oh, you're yeah. welcome. I'm doing the favor. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's great. You know what? Guess what? We're out.